Before we begin, please note that this podcast is intended for mature audiences. I am not a doctor or a therapist, and nothing I say should take the place of a relationship with a qualified medical or mental health professional. Take care. Hello, and welcome to Resting Scared. This is the podcast where I talk about health, mental health, and health anxiety. How are we today? Things are heavy as fuck right now, I'll be honest. Um, A lot from a lot of different angles. And it feels like things are just pressuring. Yeah, I don't know. My anxiety has just been through the roof lately. And I am trying to get it under control. I feel like I am noticing sooner when my OCD is, you know, rearing its head. Like it clicks to me that that's what's happening sooner than it used to. But it still comes late and like at the end of the day it is an anxiety disorder and a fear disorder and there's just so much of it and it doesn't come from nowhere not at all so just gotta figure out how to deal um you know, it's all gonna be okay, question mark? Sure, like maybe that's true, it's probably true, but the amount of anxiety and pain that is happening between point A and point B is its own form of trauma, I think. Um, so that's what's going on with me. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay, so today is November 14th. Welcome to it. Welcome to today. And two things I want to mention. Okay, so in 1889, the famous New York World reporter, Nellie Bly, uh, begins her attempt to surpass the fictitious journey of um, going around the world in 80 days by traveling. um, You know, she wants to do it in under 80 days and she succeeds finishing the trip in 72 days and six hours. So that's awesome. But honestly, Nellie Bly was kind of really interesting historical figure, even without the traveling the world. Um, She was a, you know, pioneering female journalist. And honestly, just learning her backstory and history is worth its own podcast episode. But that's not what I do here. So I'll let you go look for that. But I did just want to mention that before this world trip, she gained serious notoriety for her undercover investigation of the Women's Lunatic Asylum. 
um, on what is now Roosevelt Island. Um, and yeah, that was the name. Obviously, that's not my name. Um, but she feigned insanity in order to be um, involuntarily admitted to this asylum where she stayed for 10 days and she wrote a series of articles for New York World. Um, and the series was called 10 Days in a Madhouse. And she exposed this institution for its brutality and neglectful treatment um, of women under their care. And I have to assume, although I don't know this for a fact, but I have to assume this was the inspiration for Sarah Paulson's character on the second season of American Horror Story. So I'm just going to go with that. So yeah, Nellie Bly, cool chick. Also on November 14th in 2012, the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2 premiered. And wow, truly what a time to be alive. What a time to be at the movies. And that was a real end of an era. I really can't believe that was 11 years ago. That's insane. Um, God, I'm so old. But yeah, anyway, happy Nellie Bly Breaking Dawn Part 2 Day to all who celebrate. I believe in either my first or second episode of this here podcast, I briefly mentioned a flare-up toolkit that I kind of have in my mental back pocket, and I promised that I would go into detail on that. And here I am delivering on that promise like almost a year ago. Um, So I actually wrote all of my notes for this episode in February of this year, like second to last day of February. So it's been a while. And since then, I've truly learned so much about my pain, about pain in general, about flare-ups and what they mean and what they don't mean and why they happen and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to use what I wrote in February as the base for this episode and kind of riff off of that to discuss what may be different now. Um, and, you know, basically, yeah, how things may have changed or may not have changed. We'll see. But what I don't mention at all in my notes from February um, is actually what what is a flare-up. Um, if you are in the chronic pain world, you probably hear this term a lot. And if you have chronic pain, it might be hard to know what a flare-up, what is a flare-up and what is just your unfortunate baseline. I know for me, this has been hard to distinguish in the past. However, I think that I know when it is a, it's a flare-up because the, the chronic pain goes from chronic to acute. It's like the volume is just turned up a little or a lot on my pain like the dial is up and it is now difficult to concentrate on other things to physically do things to hold conversations um it might be hard to walk or move or stand 
and so yeah that's the biggest factor is not really being able to see beyond it um it has become the thing that needs the most attention and you couldn't really ignore it if you tried so yeah that's when i say flare up that's what i'm talking about i do think it's important to note that there are different types of flare-ups you know that require different things you know everybody has their different issue um whether it's pelvic pain or ibs or you know migraines or whatever um i know that for me uh if i'm having to really bring out the you know the big guns it's probably either a pelvic issue or a ibs issue but definitely usually a pelvic issue um and they're usually brought on by stress. I really, I really, uh, it is amazing in a bad way how, um, how just much the two are, are so linked. Um, yeah. And, you know, sometimes when I'm extremely stressed out, I'll feel like I have like a stomach bug. Um, I know that that was definitely something that I was feeling in the last, like, the last like couple days um but yeah just good old-fashioned stress makes everything worse um and yeah I wrote that in February and that's definitely still true okay so number one on my list that I wrote is for my flare-up toolkit take it or leave it is baths um because hot water I straight up believe is medicinal in and of itself. Um, I take baths almost every single day, usually fairly quick, but they really help any sort of skin issue I'm having. They also tend to be a good little system reset, like getting into hot water and getting out is a kind of a way to give yourself a little, almost like a little shock, like environmental shock, but in a good way. Um, and this could also be accomplished by a shower i guess but usually if i'm taking a bath it's because i a actually need to soak and b like want that plunge okay so what's really interesting about that is that i didn't write anything about how i was actually taking baths twice a day every single day because it was part of a protocol and obviously i would eventually talk about that on here quite a bit but I think I was really debating how to, how and if to discuss all of the pelvic, pelvic skin, neuropathy stuff. Um, so that's just interesting. Um, definitely I'm still taking baths every day, uh, not usually twice a day anymore, um, but sometimes. Um, okay, and then number two that I wrote here is borax. Um, I wrote, you know, baths with and without borax, depending on what's going on and how bad. And yeah, I do not use borax anymore. Um, I don't remember when the last time was I used it, but I just got thinking that I didn't feel great about it. And that was also right around the time that everybody started, not everybody, but people started drinking borax. And I was just like, hold up that does not sound good and if that doesn't sound good maybe I should reconsider (laughs) what I'm what I'm doing here um and so I just kind of zoomed out and decided that I didn't want to do it um and listen 
look, I do not regret taking borax baths. At the time, I really believed that they were doing something um, to help, which probably means that they were, honestly. But I just, you know, I have enough going on. I have enough that I'm taking. I have enough altering my body uh, without literally taking like a chemical bath. So regular baths are just fine. Uh, number three on my list is pelvic floor physical therapy. Um, and I've also invested, you know, so I do this in the office, but I've also invested in the tools at home um, so that I can do PT whenever needed. Um, and for me, physical therapy kind of has three parts. It's like the dilators and the TheraWand, um, the foam roller, uh, and a cold laser. Um, and now I'm also doing dry needling in my abdomen and pelvic floor. I do not do that on myself. That is strictly an in-office done by a professional thing. But yeah, pelvic floor physical therapy. Um, number four is hypnotherapy. Uh, via, I usually do it via the Nerva app, which does cost money. Um, but, you know, you can do hypnotherapy in person. But I do not fuck with hypnotherapy if it is done by someone else um but the self-guided you know meaning like via an app when you're alone and in a safe space um is really great and it's been particularly helpful to me um for stomach stuff and more recently with pelvic stuff in different types of guided visualizations and then number five is medication of course um you know, I would really love, 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 love to someday soon get to the point where I can start taking less things, you know. Nothing that I'm taking is super serious, I guess, but um, yeah, I, I've gotten to the point where between the injections that I got and the, you know, the steroid and the hormone stuff, and the uh, 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 mast cell inhibitor and the vitamins truly like it is hard to know what what the fuck is what at this point um so i would really love to get to a point where the idea of removing one of these medications doesn't like send me into a flare in and of itself due to fear um but yeah medication i'm not about to come on here and be like here are all the natural things i do um when i'm in a flare and act like i'm not out here taking medication because i definitely am uh and six which is kind of last on the list but it is uh a longer thing but uh and this is one that i hadn't added in February, but I would like to add now, and that is the Curable app. Um, God, I wish they would sponsor me. If they could sponsor me, we'd be living large. Not because they would pay a bunch, but because that would just make me feel so good about life. Um, and maybe I would get to use the app for free because it does cost money. But honestly, the Curable app has been 
huge for me in like helping me understand my chronic pain and helping me get through the flares. Um, and they even have a like mode for like, they have like the regular maintenance mode and then they have like the flare up mode, which is really, really nice. Like it's literally built into their system because it's for people with chronic pain. Um, so things that fall under the curable app, um, like things that they offer within the app are like brain training exercises, um, meditation, like guided meditation, um, and also like visualizations. So kind of like hypnotherapy, basically, um, education about pain, which I always find helpful because I'm really into the education. I'm I like reading the information. I think it does help my outlook on things. Um, and then also journaling. Um, and the journaling is, you know, one of the biggest components of the, like, practice. But it's really about, like, understanding the stressors that are contributing to your pain and, like, how deep they go and where they go and kind of you know, sort of expelling it from your body, but in a, I don't know, in a really, in a really helpful way, I think. And another thing about this thing, like this, this app and the education and the brain training and the, and the journaling, it also just brings a real sense of hope that I feel like I haven't felt in a long time. Um, and it's like an actual sense of hope. It's not, it's not like a, something that I have to kind of convince myself is hopeful. Um, yeah, because a lot of people are suffering from chronic pain and a lot of people are being helped. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of my toolkit for you. Um, I, when I had originally planned to do this, I had planned to kind of like do some nameless like product placements like this is a thing I use this is a thing I use kind of like I did on the um traveling to Italy episodes you know with the peri bottle and the uh medication little holder thingy um but those are just regular maintenance for true flare-ups you know the the toolkit is what I like to call it is these things and knowing that I have them is empowering um, because there is power in knowing what triggers flare-ups for you and also knowing that you have things that you can do to make them less intense. You know, I think having your own flare-up toolkit can release a lot of the fear that comes with a flare-up because that's the worst part about them is that they're so scary so you never know if, if and when they're going to come back down. And that fear just makes your symptoms worse and probably makes them last longer. So, yeah. What's in your flare-up toolkit? Let me know. Um, Either here, if you're on the Spotify app, or on Instagram. Thanks so much. Okay, so... I think that's all I have for you today. Um, Thanks so much for being here. Um, And yeah, 
I'm gonna go try to try to uh, make myself as comfortable as possible right now. <laughs> That's my plan. Um, so thanks so much for being here, friends and strangers. I hope you're having a lovely week. Um, hey, don't forget to like rate, review, and subscribe and all that shit if you want, but you don't have to. Um, okay. I will talk to you very soon. Have a great week. Did I already say that? Okay. Love you so much. And goodbye.